Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. You're listening to Conversations with Lulu. I'm Lulu Khazan, an entrepreneur living in Dubai, an investor, a mother, and your host. My guest today is a hardworking, brilliant, and humble man who I'm proud to call a friend. Abdelaziz Al-Lughani is a serial entrepreneur and a successful one at that. He co-founded and managed Talabat.com, which ultimately got acquired by Rocket Internet for $170 million in 2015. And he's currently the co-founder and CEO of Flowered, which is a flowers and gifts e-commerce platform with big, big plans to eventually IPO. In parallel, he also co-founded Faith Capital, which is a venture capital practice focusing on investing in the GCC. By every description, Aziz is a powerhouse. He has even helped shape the Kuwaiti government's strategy towards entrepreneurship and SMEs. You can read his full and extensive bio in the show notes. So, Abdelaziz, I'm so happy that you uh, finally agreed to do this with me. And I want to welcome you and ask you, how are you? Thank you, Lulu. It's been, uh, we've had many of these conversations, I would say, over the past maybe uh, six, seven years. Uh, but it's good to document them somewhere. Uh, thanks for your efforts for bringing a lot of great stories uh, online through your podcasts and I really enjoy watching them. Yeah, Abdelaziz, you're, you're actually one of the few people who's not always out there uh, in the events and, and uh, on stages and in the press and the media. You're one of the uh, very successful but silent, uh, let's say, uh, behind the scenes kind of guy. Is, is that on purpose? Yeah, so there's a saying in uh, in the valley: "You're as good as what your last deal is." Right? Uh, I remember uh, in our uh, conversation earlier last week, you were noting to me, "Now why aren't you writing anymore?" Uh, I, I don't tweet. I don't write as much as I used to because because anything you find online is uh, is available for people, right? So unless you're going to come out with something that's actually genuine, um, maybe that's why I stopped. I still write, I still publish, but it's a lot less uh, than it used to be. So you feel already already a lot of it has been covered? I do feel a lot of it has been covered, yes. But you, you, you bring a unique view, though, from the, uh, I mean, from the Kuwaiti ecosystem first and from the GCC side. Yes, yeah, I, mean, I think the size of our community despite having a 450 million population in the Arab world, but the size of the community is relatively small. And many of us already know, uh, know each other. Uh, I'll, I'll probably... Uh, I'll, you inspired me to write something actually earlier last week. 
and maybe we'll uh, we'll zoom into that. Uh, I'm I'm so happy to hear. You know, you're the second person that says this. There's one person whom I'm interviewed, and he told me, uh, he told me you've inspired me to start my own podcast. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. So. Uh, I, I read some of your writing actually on uh, on uh, on Medium. You have published some posts and uh, and you have some really really excellent uh, uh, articles. It's a few, but uh, but I think you should definitely write more. What are you writing about? I think one one topic that is uh, concerning and alarming to me today is is the amount of media and publicity uh, investors and VCs have in this part of the world. Uh, if you look at the founder's journey, uh, those who actually made it big, big either in IPOing, exiting, or even just generating very high revenues, uh, it saddens me that the founders actually get very little credit of that story. Okay, and, and you feel that, that, that it's the case here or you're talking uh, in general? I think in this part of the world, um, the value add of VC funds is uh, is questionable. Uh, I think they are very mindful. Well, I myself am an investor, but I'm unable to provide the value I wish I would uh, provide as a VC professional because I'm not there yet, right? You're not? I'm not there yet. I can't do that. This is why I don't manage fiduciary money. Also, oh, faith, faith capital is uh, is personal funds. It's uh, my partner and I. His family were very uh, supportive of the efforts we had. It's a holding co, and we invest only from our balance sheet. I see. We, we don't. I don't believe that I can add uh, the value I wish for uh, today because of my dedication and commitment to Flowered. I think that generally speaking. VCs are mindful and that they can add a lot more value to the portfolio companies they are investing in. So, uh, that, uh, that comes in the form of uh, technical and strategic guidance through real generate yani value generation teams. Contribution to top line should not be well, introductions, cold emails, or phone calls. They should be yani opening up significant shelf uh, space for their products and services to be uh, distributed at, at scale. Uh, we need to access proper talent. This is not just a local, regional uh, challenge. This is a global challenge right now, right? So I think, yani, if, if you just, uh, obviously, in addition to contribution to, of, of capital, yani money-wise, but I think the capital part is pretty much uh, covered. But when you take a deeper dive in how much of technical and strategic guidance is being added, uh, I feel, more I feel, I think, and I know great uh, VCs in this part of the world, but the value is very much limited to one or two people in that, uh, in that fund. And if you distribute that at a... 30, 40 portfolio companies, I mean, you do the math, how much value can you really add? Do you feel it's maybe a fund size issue uh, that maybe they can't necessarily afford to hire uh, uh, people that like a big support team or or maybe they don't see that it's um, that it's their job to provide this kind of support? Yeah, okay, so there are two folds, right? One is the value add you're getting from a VC. And then the second part is the publicity and PR 
that I feel founders are undermined with. Okay? Uh, on the VC side, I think they're very mindful and they need, they would like to add more value. Uh, but given the sizes of AUMs, yani without sovereigns really moving the needle, it's very hard for VC funds to also uh, attract the right talent that would add value to those portfolio companies. Uh, I think that's one fold of the problem. Number two, it's the... Uh, yeah, there are probably a handful with real entrepreneurial experience, but most of the VCs in the region are pure uh, finance and investment bankers, right? So they, they would probably yeah, design or, or architect a good term sheet. But beyond that, uh, I mean, we've all listened to conversations of, uh, of investment professionals that that when you speak operationally or try relating to logistics, customer care, marketing, operations, fulfillment, this is like, يعني, it's like when you're in school and your decision risk analysis professor tries talking to you about your gut feeling, how, how worthless it is uh, in, in doing business. When in reality, uh, without this gut feeling, no matter how much research you do, if you just do, if, if you try executing without that strong gut feeling, Hannah, to me, it's, uh, it's worthless, right? So it's like a professor teaching you how to do business. How to do entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a feeling I get in, uh, in a lot of the times. So this is why I feel... And, uh, and the VCs uh, are aware and that they need to add a lot more value than what they're currently providing. And I believe that some of them have already started acting on it, which is, which is great. Uh, but I would uh, also say that a majority of them uh, and, and they cut the crap and just be more direct uh, and, and say it out loud and be bold, have the balls to say it. And all I won't add beyond capital anything to you. Just be, be straightforward, right? Rather than promise me the sun or the moon and then... <laughs> it's difficult uh, for them to differentiate, to differentiate themselves though, right? Because in, initially, like when I started fundraising in, in 2012, there were only like three or four. Now there's obviously more, not, still not too many, but, uh, but there's more. And, uh, and how do they differentiate themselves, right? And everybody says, we love founders or we invest in great founders. Well, who wants to invest in a, in a, in a, in a bad founder anyway? Uh, so I, I think it's the conversation you have with the founders, right? Yeah, amongst the, one of my best, honestly, best experiences I've had in the region is a retreat with the 500 startups uh, companies uh, that I had, uh, I had the privilege to attend last year 2019 and it was it was for me mind-blowing and the conversations you have are real are tangible are challenges or experiences that that you as a founder uh, face firsthand rather than someone talk to you about it from reading an Andreessen Horowitz or, or sorry Ben Horowitz book right so what was the what was the format the format of the retreat was uh, a lot of panels, but beyond the panels, it's the side conversations that you had for a weekend. 
and uh, and I felt it was very very enriching because it's a two-way kind of learning um, format and you get to meet a lot of great founders that uh, in some cases uh, you're learning from and other cases sharing your insights with who I feel in the uh, uh, VCs actually uh, miss that then if you look at the so oh so there were no VCs it was only startup founders but th there are VCs but beyond the funding conversation there aren't any conversations right and I think that's yes. how you can really differentiate yourself it's your ability to learn about what you can do it. So, so, so what you're saying is, uh, is, is be humble, basically, and uh, and acknowledge your strengths and weaknesses as a as a VC. Hey. Uh, and don't overstate, uh, let's say, your uh, your strength, and be honest. Uh, this is the first part about VCs, right? And then the other part is about founders, because I feel they are they are not given the right attention. And it's the founders who've gone through the hard times, the good times, all the real learnings, right? Instead of walking into, uh, يعني, without naming any conferences, but most regional conferences, the key panelists, the keynotes, and the biggest uh, panels almost always end up going for investors. And in reality, if I were a founder attending one of those sessions, I would want to have a chat with with Lulu and tell me how did Nebbish end up getting acquired uh, with your announcement this week, right? Uh, how what kind of challenges were you going through in the past three years, right? To be honest, to be fair, I've seen I've seen entrepreneurs on on panels, but I've seen the same entrepreneurs on panels. That's the issue. So so usually when you go out to these events, there's the usual suspects. The, the usual people from the VCs and the usual, uh, there's a couple of entrepreneurs. I was one of them at some point, so I want to be, I want to be honest here. I don't want to be uh, uh, like uh, a hypocrite. Um, you know, at, at the time when I launched, uh, founded Nebbish in 2012, there was a lot of uh, press. And sometimes as a founder, you get sucked in. Honestly, I like, sometimes you, you know, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have done all of these panels and conferences, but, but I didn't know any better at the time. So, you know, if you're like a Kareem, for example, like if you're a Mudassir, yes, of course, everybody's going to want to talk to you. And fair enough, obviously, you've done a m massive achievement. Uh, but there's a lot of others that don't really get the, the any share of voice, as you said. And it, ha it doesn't need to be only on a regional magnitude. If you just zoom into your local community. You're right. يعني, there are founders in Saudi Arabia who've been there for the past six, seven, eight years. And I can almost guarantee you that VC funds that are a year old are today a lot more popular than all of these founders. Imagine, within a year, You're right. Chinese VC. It's like yeah. talking Chinese to him. So I feel in this, this amplifying, this uh, yeah, any big echo around VCs is, uh, is good. It creates more awareness, obviously, hopefully making your pipeline a lot a lot stronger, but I feel that a lot of journeys, a lot of mentors should actually be the founders themselves, uh, rather than uh, an investment professional whom uh, a year ago was only talking about bonds and today is trying to teach us how 
to scale uh, an online business. With an attitude. <laughs> with, with an attitude. You know, um, I spoke to someone who, uh, who, who recently, uh, actually he's been a VC, but uh, he's recently launched a, a new fund. And I was having a chat with him and I was asking him, you know, what are like, what are you trying to change? What are you going to do differently? And he mentioned something which I found interesting. He said that usually VCs get all the credit and the LPs, the limited partners, the people that actually fund these funds, don't get any credit. Yes. And now you're saying also that maybe the founders themselves don't really get that much credit. So, so, uh, so, so how, how do you solve this? <laughs> maybe we need to write more, right? And uh, kind of take notes about history. And today, Karim's, Karim's story, there's a lot you can write about as a founder. Uh, instead of wait for someone like uh, Chris, whom you've interviewed, to take the time and actually write about you. I, th I feel that, yes, ourselves as founders or investors, we can... We can definitely take more time and, and start really uh, noting our history. So, so how, how are things at Flowered? I mean, last time you and I spoke, I mean, you, you, you joined uh, two years ago. Yes, yes. So uh, I invested in this company uh, around two and a half uh, years ago. It was a small uh, company called Q8Flowers.com. Uh, was three years ago and uh, management back then uh, did not feel that they are ready to take this uh, journey forward as as we had uh, uh, invested in oh, uh, I found myself still wanting to go through this journey again uh, <laughs> I rolled up my sleeves and uh, here I am so fast forward two years and a half we obviously started a new company with a new brand. Uh, Q8 Flowers was quite limiting uh, in, in our expansion plans. So we called it Flowered. Min flowers word. Word of flower. Okay. <laughs> so, so word is a flower in Arabic for... Yes. Okay. And uh, it's full-fledged e-commerce. And, and I assume someone that buys flowers buys flowers for quite some time, right? Around 12 years, 12 to 14 years. 12 to 14 years. And then what? He doesn't buy his wife flowers anymore after that? Um, so so in, uh, it's interesting. And uh, you're absolutely right. I am right. Okay. It, it's gifting, right? Uh, whereas the culture and uh, consumer behavior in, in Europe or in the US is more actually for personal consumption. It's the yeah. flowers they want to keep in the... And the house, it's not, well, occasionally on your birthday or so. You know, we, talk, we always talk about opportunity cost, right? You can, you can put your time in this or in that, or, or like, I'm sure after your, uh, uh, you know, your, your successes in, uh, uh, in Talabat, even though you had left by the time they exited, but still you were part of the company. And so uh, why did you choose uh, to spend your time and put your effort like in flower, like in flowers? Is there what's the reason? Is it the reason? Is it like a, you like flowers or you felt it's a good business to be in? Okay, so um, uh, three reasons, honestly. Um, flowers was not any of them. Uh, to me, 
Uh, <laughs> it, it's the passion to really create and deliver a great uh, value proposition in the communities we live in. Uh, that's the kind of the key drive. But on top of that, um, number one, and alhamdulillah, I, I was a millionaire by 26, right? But I didn't, I learned a lot after Talabat, right? I, I, the investors were not as friendly as they are today. You think they're friendly today? <laughs> I, I think the terms have changed and are skewed better towards the entrepreneur when it comes to valuations and firm belief in the founder's uh, alignment of interest long term. Um, oh, I think that's generally been part of the awareness that has been created uh, in the ecosystem over the past 10 years. Uh, number two, um, there aren't so many serial entrepreneurs in the region, right? Oh, I think while we have that energy, it's, it's really worth and that we put our minds to, to a cause we, we feel there is a great opportunity to. Uh, and hopefully, uh, make it big. It doesn't need to end up with an exit or, uh, or, or an IPO. This, uh, the scale and the magnitude uh, we think of, the mindset we come with today, is very different. The learnings, the experience we have today, is very different from my time in Talabat in 2007, for example, right? Or 2008, with a 9, with a 10. Lastly, it is a big market, right? So Cut Flowers is a $1.5 billion market in Khalid, on its own. And the GCC. Yes, in the Gulf. And 99% of that is offline. There are local attempts for uh, online flower destinations, but there's no real market leader who's basically monopolized this industry yet. After operating uh, operating for two years right now, two years and a half, uh, we're, we're really proud. We have a strong, very strong dominant position in every market we operate in. So this is primarily why it's led us to start thinking that we expand beyond the region. So, you know what, that's actually good advice. I mean, you, you hear all of this advice all the time, follow your passion and like, uh, you know what I mean? Like solve a problem that, you, that you're facing and all of that, but look at you, I mean, there you go. You looked at something very opportunistically, here's a big market, it's very fragmented. I, right? I tend to believe that, honestly. And uh, if I were to double click on what you just said, in terms of opportunities for founders, we are a $3.5 trillion economy in the Arab world, of which 29 billion is only online. Well, from that 29 wow. billion, so it's less than a fraction of, of a percentage, right? And of that 29 billion, 21 billion is hotels and travel. Uh, and then you have uh, fashion, you have consumer electronics, you have, you have food and beverage, <coughs> but the rest is a desert. There are so many other opportunities. I'm investing, we continue to invest in those. Uh, but I feel that having that bird's eye view uh, and understanding what the real opportunities are, there are so many low-hanging fruits that don't really need your AI and big data or virtual reality or augmented. 
يعني fine these emerging technologies obviously are important but in our part of the world there are so many low hanging fruits can you give an example uh, yes and uh, the eyewear whether it's contact lenses or uh, يعني glass sunglasses or uh, medical ones there is a startup now trying to to tackle this there you go did you invest in it yes i did ah okay but uh, there are glasses there are Uh, laundries, there are water sports, there are obviously groceries has become a lot more uh, is picked up significantly, especially during yeah. the COVID uh, crisis. Yeah. For, for so many verticals, يعني, um, add networks. Add networks. Huge market. There are so many native apps that يعني, today depend solely on really big Ad networks, global ad networks. But in this part of the world, it's uh, it's empty. So you'd still you would recommend for an entrepreneur to to dominate their their market, and then start looking at the region, and then potentially at the world. Or would you feel like a better strategy would be, okay, we need to launch in in, in UAE, but in six months we have to be in Saudi or yeah, yeah. Um, I like to keep things simple. I'll go back to the original kind of lean startup Eric Ries diagram, right? The learn, the build, learn, measure, right? It's that triangle. Yes. I think that's kind of where I sit in terms of mindset on how to scale. Demonstrate local capability and success. Or be mindful and scale at growth is very different from scale locally, right? We claim we're a 450 million Arab population, but doing business in Beirut is different from Kuwait, is different from Dubai. Hell, even in in Dubai versus Abu Dhabi, it's also different, right? That's true. That's in in the same country. I think be mindful and scale at growth is different. When the culture really differs from one uh, one population to the other, um, hire uh, or or build a, a really great team as you scale. Uh, always try to leave some room and space for growth, for you to groom uh, champions as your team expands. Should you should you think of an exit from uh, from the early days? I wouldn't honestly. Then it's not in your control or hands. But I would do all the right things to build a company that lasts forever. And and if you build that company, you'll always be ready, right? If you don't take legal shortcuts, if you keep your books clean, if you put your governance in in order, if you select your investors wisely, execute on the strategy vision. Uh, start with a product, but maybe later on have one vision with multiple products. Uh, scale properly and demonstrate your capability of, of scaling. Have the right team. Yani. But I think if you're mindful of that, you don't really need to worry about exiting. Uh, instead, if you really want to create a liquidity event for your shareholders uh, and you're thinking as big as the region or multiple regions around the world, um, what's in your hand is IPOing the business. Outside of the region, though? Yes, outside of the region, but I would also be 
uh, aware, I, I would be just conscious that there are many regional attempts right now for attracting and promoting local uh, startups to go public. Yani, I know our friends in Tadawud in Saudi, for example, are working on, uh, on a great initiative to relax support local companies uh, in Saudi or in the region uh, of scaling and uh, are being mindful of the listing requirements uh, to be a lot more lean for technology startups. It's, it's, it's great for founders, really. The good thing about IPOs is uh, companies monopolizing or taking lead can actually uh, create a lot of uh, consolidation of M&A activities. Uh, if I were today at a certain million dollar threshold of revenue and I, I plan to IPO in a year and a half, throughout the next uh, six months, I would go on uh, a spree for, uh, for acquiring uh, inorganic growth. Uh, that will cause a lot of MA activity to happen in the region. So I think it's, it's quite necessary, uh, especially with the current circumstances, يعني, falling oil prices, COVID, uh, government deficits all over the region. Uh, and the lira at ten thousand per dollar. <laughs> That's today. It might be tw- it might be fifteen. Like by the time I publish this, <laughs> that's very unfortunate. By the way, that's that's very very unfortunate. I know, but we, all, we should also be. Yeah, again, despite these challenges, this is where <laughs> an IPO and M and A or consolidation can really benefit. Absolutely. In Lebanon. There are, there are great companies that are on the global map, not just on the regional map. Oh, but you have Adrami. Obviously, I interviewed Ali Habib. I was referring to Ali, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a solid entrepreneur, though. He, you know, he's someone who's, you know, Adrami is his fifth business. So he's, he's someone who's, uh, who's, who's been through that process quite a few times. Someone like Ali is probably a lot more useful for a founder to sit down with. Absolutely. Than someone with a fact check, right? So, so, so Talabat was in 2015. That was, yeah, five years ago. That was something. Did you, uh, I, I think I, 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 I always wondered, like, the amount of confidence you, ha- you need to have as a founder uh, uh, to, to, to kind of do this sort of negotiation and, uh, and, and get, these, uh, get these numbers. I mean, obviously now you have Karim, which sort of broke all types of barriers. But at the time in 2015, the only, uh, uh, what do you call it, like uh, baseline you had was uh, Maktoub. Yes, indeed. We are an accumulation of our past experiences today. Yeah. We show, even to our loved ones, the side we want to show. صح? Well, I'm sure we're not all saints or angels, right? We all have our mistakes, but we That's choose... True. What side to show uh, our loved ones, our colleagues, and our investors? صح? I think having your accumulated experience uh, with some with some scars that you've earned on the way uh, validates a lot of the bluffing you can get away with, right? For spending time with experience will get you the experience a lot faster. But you just need to put in the effort. You need to put in the time 
and really invest your time wisely with those who have been there. Then at that time, I got on a call immediately actually uh, with one of the first investors with, uh, with Maktoub. This is what I want to do. I don't know you, but you seem to speak a lot about what you've done and I, and I want to take the same route. For I think in having first-hand experience is good, but also investing your time with great founders who've gone through even more experiences than you have will hopefully also maybe not get you 100% of the experience, but at least give you a lot more confidence in how you approach things. Did the team at the time do all the negotiating or you had, uh, you had advisors or...? Mohammed, uh, my partner, was leading uh, Talabat at that, effort, at that time. I was a non-exec back then. But we did have an advisor as well. Okay. Uh, a third-party advisor who was negotiating on behalf of the sellers uh, with, with the buyers. Okay. There are so many other circumstances. So uh, I think what we did uh, in in uh, in the past, the the exit, if it mar- if the exit is a mark of success, then it's definitely not only hard work or being smart. Uh, the third component is people call it luck. Uh, some of us call it. Uh, being prepared. Some call it uh, market conditions. But I think whatever you call it, that element of luck is, is, is also very important, right? And uh, the whole region was going through consolidation. And there was primarily one buyer. Uh, so well, that's when a winner really takes all. But if you had a lion's share of that market, there was no one else but you to acquire. Yeah. And that's where today... At Flowered, our revenue is actually higher than what we sold Talabat for. Wow. Higher than what you sold Talabat for? Or higher than uh, Talabat's revenue at the time? Talabat's revenue at the time, yes. Okay. Um, If I think, and imagine that that was created over a period of nine years uh, versus what was created in Flowered over two years and a half. Wow. Uh, This is how how lucky we are, right? Uh, there are more internet users. COVID just gave us a, a head start for the next 10 years. Uh, I would say internet penetra- e-commerce penetration. Um, the reference I have is from the US, but the previous uh, eight weeks, uh, e-commerce penetration is higher than the cumulative 10, 10 past years. Wow. Oh, I think we've seen that uh, significantly in in the region more recently as well. We, we will see it here. I was speaking, uh, I interviewed uh, um, Ryan Karake, he works at Google, and he was saying that, the, you know, we are a region that leapfrogs. It takes us so long to adopt something, but when we adopt it, we adopt it uh, fully. And, uh, and, and he was talking about like smartphone penetration, for example, but still, you know, he mentioned that there's 200 million people in the, in the Arab world that still don't have access to internet. So, uh, so there's still a big gap. It's okay. 250 is still a lot. Yeah, it's still a lot. That's true. That's of true. those 200 million, I would probably say 50% are below 10 years old. But you're good. Probably. Don't worry. Probably. That's true. I, 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 I love our chat. You, uh, you, uh, you're very open, honest. I, I, I really admire that. You're, uh, 
also the one more thing you and I had a like a like a WhatsApp message about was the uh, your ad at Flowered. You did recently a Father's Day ad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was really really cool. And uh, and uh, and and I said uh, and I mentioned it to you, and you said yeah, like fathers are are underrated. <laughs> are you underrated? You're a father of three. Father of three, yes, yes. And so is fathership is fatherhood underrated? Uh, I think Father's Day is significantly underrated. So this is something yeah. we uh, uh, we like experimenting with and, and flowered, right? So at the lowest of your uh, of your chain of your value chain uh, are the key functional kind of values. You always want to make sure you have the right product mix. You want to make sure you have the right pricing. You want to make sure you have uh, the, the best value for money in terms of quality and pricing, uh, fastest turnaround time for an order, best technology, user experience. All of that is what everyone else competes on. This is basic, and you really want to score high and the best on it. Well, alhamdulillah, we think that we actually do. But beyond that functional uh, layer is how do you really self-actualize your gifting and and occasions with your customers. How can you really see it mirroring the the people? There's a great uh, there's a great uh, chart by Bain. It's called Customer Value Assessment. Oh, uh, this is an exercise we do internally. Uh, I would encourage many people to actually look through it, especially for uh, yeah, consumer facing web and mobile apps. Um, so when, when we do that, uh, we realize that people associate more with, uh, with their occasions. Um, but there are also so many other occasions that we've experimented with. We've experimented last year with more than 60 occasions. So wow. every week we have an occasion that we celebrate. And these occasions are all uh, public. The private ones are Lulu's birthday where Aziz will send Lulu maybe something. Uh, the public ones are like Father's Day. Uh, it was one of those occasions that we experimented with uh, and we're happy and uh, many people actually followed us. We were also, we try having that witty sense of humor. It was really well done. You should have seen our Mother's Day campaign last year. That was also a nice one. Any, any closing uh, remarks, anything you'd like to, uh, to end with? Any advice for entrepreneurs or even VCs that are listening? I think the region overall has gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of uncertainties with COVID, right? There are many companies that, are, that have folded. Um, there are many funds that were uncertain to how uh, this effect or impact would be. Uh, long term on, on the companies they're in. Uh, some companies are ending up consolidating. But I feel in, uh, it's during these hard times uh, that, that these events bring the best of what's in you. So I think any resilient founders, VC funds, whatever, any, those whom are resilient, who are who are defiant, independent, and really want to change the status quo, will make uh, will make it through and weather these uh, this storm. 
we've seen great companies uh, honestly pick up uh, who took advantage of, of the uh, huge e-commerce penetration increase that's happened. Who, uh, who I feel that in, in every, in all of these bad situations and whatever happens, there's always something good that you can come out of with. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm conscious, I'm, I'm very grateful, honestly, for what we've uh, achieved so far with Flowered. And I think that, uh, and I think founders, generally speaking, uh, take advantage of these hard times. If it's not working, you need to close shop and move on. If, you, if this is your calling, then you really need to make the best out of it. And I, I truly believe and then you'll make the best out of it. I think you still have another four or five companies in you. <laughs> you're, still, you're still young. <laughs> I hope so. I still jog at 5 a.m. And I still play Rouge at 8. Thank you so much, Abdelaziz. I love this conversation. Didi, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Shukran, Lulu. Thank you for uh, hosting myself. So, uh, thank you for hosting the, the other great uh, people you've had. I've, I've uh, learned from them firsthand and continue to really enjoy those conversations. Thank you for everyone who's listening. Uh, this was episode eight of Conversations with Lulu. Uh, I would love it for you to subscribe to the, uh, to the podcast on Conversations with Lulu on all the podcast players and also on my YouTube channel. I'd really appreciate it if you like the show to share it with your friends and, uh, and comment and send me your feedback. If you want to sponsor the show, you can email me on lulu.chazen at gmail.com. Have a great day and stay safe, everyone. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.